Come on, worship him. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, give him some worship. Give him some praise in your own words, in your own ways this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we're so full of joy. We just worship you with joy this morning for who you are. And we praise you with all our hearts for what you have done and for what you have promised. We're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for, for, for your presence in this place. And we're grateful for the fellowship that we have in this place. We're grateful for the plans that you have. We're just, we just want to worship you this morning. We just want to express our joy to you. You have been faithful. Lord. You have proven your name in our lives. You have proven your name in our lives. You are an awesome God. You are an awesome God. You are an awesome God. You are beautiful beyond description. Beautiful beyond description. Too wonderful for words. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We bow our hearts before you. And we acknowledge you, Lord, as the ruler of all. The creator of the heads of the earth, the master of the universe. We worship you, Lord. You deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. We deserve all the praise. We lift our hands in worship. You are good, O Lord, and your mercy endures forever. Everybody say, You are good, Lord, and your mercy endures forever. Say, You are good, Lord, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we worship. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Please walk around and say hello to somebody. Welcome to Glow Church. Show them some love. Show them some love, love, love. Good to see you. Jesse, scriptures. Can you get off that phone? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, love. Your gift is improving. I hear you. I hear you. I acknowledge you. All right. Mommy, welcome. All right, all right, all right. You're wearing my favorite color. Oh, thank you. Hi. Thank you. Okay. Good to see everyone. Good to see everyone. Excited to be here. So we are going to continue our study of faith. Yes, Scriptures. We're going to continue our study of faith. How many of you are getting blessed by the faith studies? So, for those of you that uh, we didn't have enough, uh, but we have about nine. Yeah, so you could just pass it to those. No, no, prioritize the younger generation. Prioritize your generation, yes. (laughs) And then the adults can, can share the rest. So next week we'll have more. I also sent it to 
I sent it to the group, the WhatsApp group, so the electronic version, so that, yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, you can now give it to, yeah, give it to the adults. All right. So, I want to share with you this week and next week, um, like, like I'm trying to compress the, the teaching of faith. Like <laughs> into the next two weeks. So the title of my message is the ABCs of faith. The what? ABCs of faith. So if you know ABC, then you can walk by faith. <laughs> if you know ABC, you can walk by faith. So we're going to be looking into a lot of scriptures because this is really... This is a Bible, like looking into the Bible, really. So I want you to be prepared. Uh, they will be displayed. Uh, either use the ESV or the NLT, uh, depending. So let's do that. So last week, well, we started two weeks ago on this series, Exponential Faith. Uh, the first week, we talked about the power of faith. The power of faith. We talked about what faith can do. Faith is the bridge between our expectations and our physical realities. Faith makes things well. Faith can, uh, can, change, uh, can change anything. Uh, faith can subdue mountains. I'm sorry, can, can move mountains. And faith can subdue nations and kingdoms. So we talked about all that. Uh, we get saved through faith. We receive everything that God has provided for us through faith and all that. So last week, we talked about how faith comes. If faith is that powerful, how does faith come? So we saw that faith comes by what? By hearing and what? And hearing. So if we want to build faith, what we need to do, the first major step is we need to expose ourselves to the word of God. We need to give the word of God attention, to hear it, to, uh, to keep it, you know, on our so, you know, on our eyes, in our, you know, in our heart, and just stay focused on it. That's how faith comes. So today, um, I want to go further in the teaching of faith uh, to talk about these ABCs. And as we go through these ABCs, we're going to learn uh, a few things about how to actually actualize faith in your heart, in your life, how to actualize it, how to make it work in your life. So are we, are we ready, everyone? Ready. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so let's go. Uh, the first thing here, A, talking about how to work by faith, I have it, don't worry, uh, is accept God's, accept the word of God. Accept the word of God. I would like, I would provide the little, as little movement as possible, okay? So that we all stay focused. So, accept the word of God. Everybody say accept. Accept. Why do you, why, do, why is it that the first step in faith is accepting? Why is it? Because many times when you receive God's word, I told you faith comes by hearing the word, right? When you receive God's word, it's usually contrary to what you can see. It's usually different, opposed to what you can see as your physical reality. So, for example, 
if there was a sickness uh, in your body, right, and then you receive God's word that talks about the fact that Jesus took our infirmities on the cross and all that, when you, when you see that word or hear the word, your present reality is usually contradictory to it. So you have a choice to make. And the choice is, whose report will you believe? Which one are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your, you're going to believe your physical circumstances, what your eyes can see, what your ears can hear, what your, your hand can feel, what your body can feel, or what everybody can attest to. Everybody can look at it and say, this is how the situation is. You have a choice. Are you going to accept that? Or you are going to accept what the word of God says. We are always faced with that choice. Every time. That's why it's called faith. Now if it is just automatic. Like you know just flows. Just, there's no challenge. There's no choice to make and all that. No, no, no. Then it, it's, not, it's not faith. Faith always involves a choice. A choice. Which one? You know, I love um, Isaiah chapter, I think it's Isaiah 53. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Um, if you can just show it for me. It says, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the harm of the Lord been revealed? You know, a translation, uh, maybe the, the, I think the NKGB says, or if you click the, he said, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the hand of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? So there are two reports. There are two reports. There is the report of your physical senses. And then there is the report of God's word. You have to choose. Listen, I want you all to pay attention. This is very practical. You have to make that choice continually until the physical manifestation changes, no matter how long it takes. There are some faith, uh, I call them faith transactions of, you know, or believing God, you know, for a particular thing that take just a few, a few minutes, you know, some before the manifestation. There are some that will take you some days, right? There are some that will take some weeks. There are some that will take some months. There are some that will take some years. Decades. Give you an example. The person called the father of faith, Abraham, from 75 thereabouts, or before, even before then, he had wanted to have a child. And then he was about a hundred years old and he was still standing. So sometimes some faith transactions can take longer. Now, is it God delaying? Is it God delaying? You know, as you study more about faith, you realize that there are different factors. So there are factors, there are certain things that have to do with the factors of God's timing. 
Now, but there are certain things that has to do with the factor of our alignment. It's however long it takes us to align with the word before the, the full manifestation. So we can, we can shorten that or we can what? Elongate it. But the beginning of faith is this. I am confronted with what God's word says. Do I accept it or do I reject it? How did you get born again? Those of you that have, that have gotten born again in this place or say this way, you give your heart to Jesus and you receive life from him, you were faced with two choices. Do I believe what I have been hearing or what people say or do I believe this new thing I'm hearing that Jesus saves and that I can receive eternal life? You always have to make the choice. And there are people who make the other choice and say, no, they don't want it. Right? That's saving faith. That's how saving, I talked about saving faith last week. That's how saving faith came. You had to make a choice to accept the word that you received, that it could save you and that it died and that it rose again. You had to make that choice. So you, you have to make the same choice. Amen. When it comes to every other thing that God has promised us by grace. And that choice, you have to make it until the time it manifests. Sometimes the way it works is that God... The word of God is there, and you stand on that word to the very, very, very hand hilt. Like, you're like, is this going to work? And then that's when you just see it. That's why faith involves patience. Amen. Amen. Faith involves what? Patience. And we're going we're gonna to talk about all those ones later. But let's look at some words. Let's look at some, um, some examples. I'm not going to read the Proverbs 420 because we read it. Uh, last week, you know, where it says, you know, and the, but the one I want to, I want to read uh, James chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Get rid of all the filth and all the evil in your lives. So there are some things you have to get rid of. Mm-hmm. You got to get it. You know, filth. We have filth every day from the news. Mm-hmm. We have filth every day from the people around us. Some of us, we've been. Our minds are full of filth from religion, from family beliefs, generational belief, filth. So whenever the word of God comes to you, it meets some filth there. Some things that you've been trained, that you have to unlearn. You have to take the word of God at face value, not just how somebody taught you. Sometimes you have to reevaluate your beliefs, especially if they are not empowering you for what God has called you to do. You have to reevaluate it. And what should you do? He said, get rid of all the filth and evil in your life. And humbly, there's a humility that, that faith requires. What is true? You see, people think true humility is, you know, you. Putting yourself down. You know, some people think, no, you say, that, that guy is a humble guy. He's a guy that's always putting himself down. Oh, I'm just not good. I'm a little warm. I'm say, ah, that's a very humble guy. No, that's not the Bible definition of humility. The Bible definition of humility, you see it in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And we talked about it last week. Romans 12, 3 says that, you know, that every one of us should not think of himself more highly 
than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according. So there's a particular way you're supposed to think, according to the measure of faith that God has dealt with each one of us. So there's a, there's a way you're supposed to think about yourself, right? But it has, it's according to the measure of faith. What, how do you know the measure of faith? You're supposed to think about yourself as God's word describes you. True humility is accepting what God says about you and every situation. That's what true humility is. It's an acceptance of what God's, God's word says. Even when you, 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 you feel that, sometimes you feel that it's too high for you. Sometimes you feel that, oh, no, 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 this is too difficult for me to accept. Mm-hmm. When you choose to accept what God, what God says, that's true humility. Amen. When we put the word of God, God's word above everybody, when we put the word of God above every situation, every circumstance, and say, let God be true, and every man a liar. Amen. When we put the word of God above our feelings, we put God's words above what even our physical eyes can see. That's true humility. What you are saying is that, God, I trust you. They said, Abraham was not moved by what he saw, by the deadness of Sarah's womb. Because he said he believed God. According to what it was written, that it will become the father of many nations. This is Romans 4, from verse 17. That it will become the father of many nations. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Being fully persuaded that that which he has promised is also able to fulfill. He said in hope he believed. Against hope he believed. He chose to believe God's word, despite the, fi- the realities of the physical. Faith involves a choice. a choice. And that choice will be tested all through. You are going to have to say, I see this, but I see this. I choose this. You know, I see this physically. It's real. I'm not denying it. Faith is not a denial of facts. Faith is not calling things that are as though they are not. Faith is calling things that are not. As though they are. That it is a difference. So faith is not denial. I'm not denying that. No, I'm not denying what I see. I'm not denying what I feel. I'm not denying that. What I'm doing is that I am I'm believing in a higher reality. I'm believing in a higher truth. And I'm saying that this higher truth is superior to you. You might be real, but there's something more real than you. Yes, it is. And that's God's word. And that's what I choose to believe. So let's see an example. Luke chapter 1. Oh, wait, let me finish that one. In James 1, 21, it says, so, he said, humbly accept the word of God. James 1, 21. Humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. The word has the power to save your soul, but you've got to get rid of the filth and humbly accept it. Let's look at an example of somebody who did that. Luke wanted it. So there's this young lady. Young lady. Her name was Mary. Engaged to a guy to be married. They had done all the rites and everything. The next thing was just, you know, for the wedding. The real wedding to take place. So it was, it was more, stronger than engagement. It was a little bit, it was called an espousal then. It was stronger than engagement. But, you know, in our term, we would say engagement. To be married and then... The, the, an angel appears to her and tells her, 
and says, you are going to have a child. There's not going to be a man involved. And that child is going to be called the son of God. The Holy Spirit is going to do it. And you're going to become pregnant. Now, if it were you, what will you say to that angel or whatever you saw? What are you going to say? How can this thing be? Yeah. It's, this is impossible. I did biology. They taught us how everything works. You know, all your filth, like all the things you've been taught will start coming up, right? And all that. How is it going to work? How is this, this going to happen and all that? And if you, you know, you're not careful, you will, as you are talking and talking and talking, you will talk yourself out of being used in that situation. In fact, there was, one of, there was another person that an angel appeared to that was talking, talking. The angel just shut his mouth mm-hmm. so that I won't talk himself out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, what do you call it? Mute, Mute until, the, until the whole thing was completed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had been praying for it, but when he was confronted with it, his mind could not accept it. So God had to help him by shutting his mouth because if he kept on talking, because, you know, God works in cooperation with us. If he kept on talking, he would have invalidated what God wanted to do. So God had to shut his mouth. But look at what Mary said. Luke chapter 1 verse 38. Everybody, let's read it together. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to what? Your word. To your word. Everybody say that. Say that right now. Say, Lord. Lord. Let it be to me. Let it be to me. According to your word. According to your word. I know it looks impossible. I know it looks impossible. I know it looks illogical. I know it looks illogical. It looks unscientific. It looks But Lord. But Lord. Let it be to me. According to your word. I accept your word. I accept your word. Despite my feelings. I accept your word. I accept your word. In spite of my circumstances. I accept your word. Even though they said it is impossible. I choose you, Lord. I choose your truth. I choose your faithfulness. Above every other thing. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Amen. Amen. That is the first step to faith. Accept God's word. First of all, accept it. You got it. Just accept it. If you said it, right? You know that song? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's all. <laughs> he said it. If he said it, he cannot lie. God cannot lie. God can lie. God can't lie. It is impossible for God to lie. If it is written in scriptures. Amen. If it is there, it is the truth. It's not a man that I should lie. Number two, B. <laughs> The ABCs of faith. B. Believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. So you first of all accept it. Then 
Believe it. What is believing? What does it mean to believe something? What does it mean to believe something? What does it mean to believe? Unwavered certainty. To what? Unwavered certainty. To have unwavered certainty. You know, sometimes when you, when you are believing, you might not even get to the point of certainty yet. Right? But what I want to pass across to you also, you see, I'm telling you that this thing involves your choice. Believing is not a passive thing. Mm. Believing is an active thing. It's a choice that you make. It's a choice. So, for example, if you told me right now, you said, oh, Pastor Lan, when I was coming, when we're coming and I were driving, I saw a person that had two heads on the way. Like you told me that. I saw a person that had two heads. Like you told everybody in this place. So, so you are going to have two, all kinds of reactions. There are those that will laugh and say, oh, how? No, I mean, they can't, nobody can have two heads, right? No, I don't believe that. And then, you could also have a reaction, especially those who have been, you know, who understand this stuff, who know that they are believers. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I will believe you, even if you are, if you are lying and all that. It's left to you. I trust you. I believe you. So, you could also have a choice. Now, that is... Ludicrous. That's that's I don't I really don't believe that that is true. But you know what? I choose to believe you. You know that I just made a choice. It's not that my head accepted it. It's not that my my mind could not grasp, but I just made a choice to believe. No, listen, I'm I'm trying to tell you this thing that sometimes. You know, some people don't understand what belief is. Sometimes when you're, go- you're going to see something in God's word that God says about you, about your future and all that, and your head and everything tells you that this can't be. But then even when you feel that way, don't stop the process. Just say, Lord, even though it looks like this and I feel this way, I choose to believe you. Don't say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. Believing is a choice. Everybody say believing is a choice. You can choose. A lot of people in the world right now choose not to believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. They know it, right? But they choose not to believe it. And there's some who say, you know what? I choose to believe that he died. That he died on the cross and he rose again the third day. I mean, okay. I talked about somebody who had two heads, right? What about stories that you read in the Bible? That a fish swallowed up a man. And the man stayed there for three days. That's against all my scientific knowledge. In fact, my mind tells me that is impossible. Where was the guy? Which part of the fish? Is it in the intestine? The stomach? Where? If you went through the mouth of the fish, did the digestive process start? You know all the things they taught us in science. And then they said the, he was there and he was praying inside the fish. You know, a lot of people said, that is stupid. A lot of people said, I choose not to believe that. But you know me? If the Bible says it was, it was not the fish that swallowed Jonah, that it was swa- Jonah that swallowed the fish, the big fish, I still choose to believe it. 
Just because the Bible says so, it's my choice. I choose to believe it. Because I know I have a God who created everything. Who made everything. And if, he, if, if for three days he, he does something to a fish to keep a man in there, I accept it. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. So we, we believe a lot of stupid stuff. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, like stupid to the mind. That's why Paul was talking about the fact that you see, he said Christ is the foolishness of God. The cross is the foolishness of God. And he said it's by foolishness that God chooses to save us. He uses the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. The best things of this world to confound the things that are mighty and the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. If you are going to walk by faith, you are going to have to learn to accept what is seemingly stupid and illogical. When you are walking by faith, it's not all going to be logical. There was a man that was leprous in the Bible. His name was Naaman. He was a mighty general of Syria. And he was leprous. And so, one of his servant girls recommended that he goes to meet the prophet. And then goes to the prophet. And the prophet didn't even bother to come out to say hello to him. <laughs> like mighty general came. The prophet didn't come out. He just sent his servant and said, go tell him. Go and wash in the in, uh, river Jordan. And dip inside of it seven times, and you'll be healed. Ah, the general is like, this prophet did not even come out. I thought he was going to come and wave his hand and do something, and then, you know, something was going to happen and all that. And then, don't we have better rivers in Syria than for me to be, you know, the river Jordan was a muddy, very muddy place. I can't go, go and be washing myself in that kind of place. And then the servant girl said, huh, you know, it's not the prophet that is sick. You are the one that is sick. So if, if that's what he told you to do, you better go and do it. Right? So the man went. His mind was like, this is stupid. This is embarrassing. Man, I don't know if you have ever walked by faith. And as you are doing it, you are so embarrassed. Like, you know, like, it's so embarrassing. When we have Holy Ghost meeting and all that, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, do some things that look so embarrassing. Even to you that you are saying it and to the people doing it. Why would it seem so embarrassing? I said, God, why do you always want to embarrass us like this? No, God is teaching us faith. Faith requires you to trust God's word irrespective of your... It requires humility. And just choose to believe God. So the man went, he dipped six times, nothing happened. But the seventh time he dipped, they said he was completely cleansed of the leprosy. You guys see that? Yes. Everybody say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. Okay, so let's quickly read some passages on that. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. Mark 5 and verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter is dead, they said. I mean, that kind of a news. Your daughter is what? Dead. dead. Has a finality to it. Why bother the teacher anymore? Too late. Overhear- overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Listen, that is so powerful because it tells us that fear is a choice. And believing is a choice. Do you get what I'm saying? He said, don't. don't. For Jesus to say, don't, mean that you can choose to. Right. But don't. don't. Choose to believe. So sometimes when you are faced with fear, do you get what I'm saying? 
and then you are faced with the other with believing. You say, even though everything in me right now wants to be afraid about this thing, everything in me is scared about this situation. But in the midst of it, I choose at this moment, I choose faith over fear. Amen. I choose to believe. Everybody say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. Choose to believe. Woo! Acts 27, verse 25. This was Paul speaking to these people. There was a, they were on the boats, and there was a storm. It was a hurricane, a storm of hurricane proportion. Paul told them, he said, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe that God, that it will be just as it was told me. He said, an angel appeared to me and told me that there will be no loss of lives. When there was a hurricane and all that, and you know, all the, the thing was blowing, but he said, guys, relax, just believe, because I believe that it will be as it was told me. Everybody say that. Sometimes I have to tell myself, I believe as it will be. I believe you know, when, you see, when you're walking in God's purpose, right? When you're walking on God's word, sometimes the hurricane of life will show up. Amen. Amen. It will show up and start telling you it's contrary to what he told you. You have to tell yourself at that time and say, even though I see this hurricane, I believe that it will be as it was told me. I believe that it will be. Everybody say that after me. Say, I believe, I believe that it will be as it was told me. You see, I love the way the KJV says it. That's where I use it. Say, say, wherefore, sars? Wherefore, sars? <laughs> I believe that it will be even as it was told me. Sars! So tell everybody, tell everyone, every situation. Wherefore, sars? I know you're moving. I know you're doing all that. But I believe that it will be as it was told me. I choose God's word. I choose to believe God's word. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm going to be... Okay, let me, let me give you maybe two more, and I'll, I'll do the rest next week of the ABCD. Uh, let's go to number C. Are you, are you following me, guys? Yes, you getting it? Then C, the ABCs of faith. Confess God's word. Confess. Confess God's word. Confess what? Confess the word of God. You see... The truth of confession, or that, you know, confessing, right? We took the, uh, there are two, two major types of confessions. There's, there's more than two, right? But I just want to talk about the two main ones um, that is revealed in the New Testament and in the Bible. The first one is the one that a lot of people are familiar with, which is called the confession of sin. Everybody say the confession of sin. The confession of sin. Okay, the confession of sin. So a lot of people are very familiar with that. A lot of people are very, they are very familiar with that, with, you know, with the confession of sins. Like, oh, I, you know, I did something wrong, right? You know, I should go and confess my sin to the Lord, and then, you know, will forgive me. There's also the confession to one another, confess your fault one to another, you know, and all that. So we believe in the confession. So we're so used to it. We're so used to confessing things. So confessing the negative things, the sin and all that. But there's another revelation of confession that is in the New Testament, right? That is even more powerful that we don't talk about. You see, the word confession is from a Greek word. The word is homologio, 
Omo means one. Logo is where you get logos, you know, dialogue and all that word, speaking. So homologio, homologio, whatever it's however it's pronounced, means to say the same thing. Everybody say to say the same thing. Say to speak the same thing. Speak the same thing. To speak the same thing. The same thing as what? One. To speak the same thing as God is saying. And number two, to stay, stay saying that same thing. Continually. Continually. It's also translated profession. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you know, do you know where you get it? What's your profession? Do you know where it comes from? It's from that homology. What's your profession? That's what you, you, you are constantly, you say that that's what I do. I'm a, I am a this, I'm a that, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. My profession is I'm a carpenter, I'm a carpenter, I'm a carpenter. What do you profess? You get what I'm saying? So, if you don't know that truth of the confession or the profession, let, let me tell you something, you will never, you can never have a powerful Christian life. You are going to live weak, always condemned, if you only know the other side of confession. That is important, right? Yeah. But there's another side which has to do with holding fast to what God has said. And saying it over and over. Amen. Amen. Let's look at some scriptures uh, on that. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30, from verse 11 to 14. It says, For the commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Everybody say it's not too hard. It's not too hard for you. It's not hard. You know, people think that God, you know, living with that is hard. It's not too hard. He said, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us, to bring it to us. You guys should start remembering somebody who quoted that in the New Testament. You guys remembering? You guys, are you guys getting it? This was quoted by someone in the New Testament. He said, Say to go to heaven, who will bring Christ down? Who will go down to the deep to bring Christ up? But the word is near thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That was Paul in Romans chapter 10, quoting it. And that's where we base our salvation. He said that if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Mm-hmm. He was quoting Deuteronomy here. There, that's what he was quoting there. Which he translated into our salvation. That he, but let's finish what Deuteronomy said. He says, who will ascend to heaven for us to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us? That we may hear it and do it. Everybody, let's read the last part together. But the word word is is very very near you. It is in your mouth mouth and in your heart. So that you can do it. it. Why did he say it's in your heart first? Why did he put mouth first? He said it is in your mouth and then what? In your heart. See, let me, let me tell you something. Sometimes the word of God, when, even when it has not gotten into your heart to the point that you absolutely believe it, if you put it in your mouth, it will eventually get into your heart. 
That's where we're designed. If you put it in your mouth, it will eventually get into your heart. Somebody said after me, say, if you put it in your mouth, say, if you put the word of God in your mouth, it will eventually get into your heart. Then it will come back to your mouth. And then it will go into your heart. Then it will come back into your mouth and go into your heart. Yeah? That's how it works. Mouth, heart, mouth, heart, mouth, heart. Are you getting it? Yes, sir. But we, we, we have been taught, we remove the mouth part. You cannot even get saved without the mouth. Okay, let's read it. Romans 10 verse 9. Let's read it. Show it to us. Romans 10. How Paul quoted that. Romans 10, 9. Uh, 9 downwards, you know. Let, let's see how Paul, how Paul, he says, look at it. He says, let's start from verse, um, let's start from verse 7. You see that he was quoting Deuteronomy there that we just read. Uh, from verse 6, from verse 6, it says, The righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who will descend into the abyss? That, that is to bring Christ from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your what? Mouth. And then in your what? That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because... If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart, one believes and is justified. Go up, verse 10. And with the mouth, everybody say the mouth, mouth. one confesses and is saved. Your mouth is very important when it comes to faith. What you say is extremely important. What have you been saying? Start saying what you accepted. What you chose to believe. Start confessing it. You know that was the C. Is take the A and the B of faith and put it in your mouth. Start confessing what he says. Even though you cannot say it. Your faith will always rise to the level of your confessions. The boundaries of your faith and the boundaries of your life will be determined by the things you choose to say that are in God's word. Yes. Or, that, or that you choose to say not in God's word. If I right now, you have already created some boundaries around yourself based on what you say. Every time you say you create a reality around yourself and you create a line around yourself and say, this is what I'm going to be able to cross in life. Because it's going to change your beliefs, what you say. So when I saw that as a younger man, I was like, if this is truly true, because I saw it, you know, I, I had a, I'm very, I would argue everything and do all that. But when I sat, it, sat down and I saw it clearly, I saw Proverbs 18, 20, 21. I saw all those scriptures and I saw the application. I saw David defeating Goliath with his mouth first before he sent this, the, the string. I saw the woman in the with your blood who said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. She said it first. I saw all that. I saw what Paul said about it. I saw it and I became convinced about the power of the mouth and what it would do. Then my question was this. How will I use this to expand the boundaries of my life? And I saw that the secret of, of it is look into the word. Find what God's word says about you that you absolutely accept as true. And start declaring it. And start saying it to yourself when nobody is there. Right? Just keep saying it to yourself. That's how you expand the boundaries of your life. So that you can walk in God's perfect will for you. Amen. In any situation. 
You got to say it. There are too many quiet Christians. That's one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ is that we are too quiet when it comes to the word. We've been ch- become chickens. We're afraid. Amen. Amen. There's, there's something called the spirit of faith. Everybody say the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. That was what Caleb and Joshua. Sorry, Caleb and what's his name? Joshua, yeah. Joshua and Caleb. That's what they had. Different from all the other, all the, all the other people in Israel. Two people. They all got the same reports. Mm-hmm. But Caleb and Joshua, God said they had a different spirit. So the question is, what was the spirit that they are talking about there? What was the different spirit that they were talking about there? It was the spirit of faith. faith. Everybody said the spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. So what are, how does the spirit of faith work? Everybody look at it. 2 Corinthians 4.13. How does the spirit of faith works? work? How does it work? Let's read it together. One, two, go. Since we have what? The same spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. One to go. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so also speak. The spirit of faith believes and speaks. The righteousness which is of, of, of faith speaks. The spirit of faith speaks. You are a speaking spirit. Because you were created by a speaking God. In fact, he introduced himself to us in Genesis 1 as a God who speaks. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the face of the water. And God said. Let there be light. And God said. And God said. And God said, and God said, and God said, then they say, and God saw. That's how he introduced himself to us. The very first sentences of the Bible introduced himself to us as a speaking God. And he even told us that when we were created, it was his words that he used to create us, our spirit. And he said, let us make man in our own image. If you are in his image and in his likeness, you are also a speaking spirit. Somebody say, I'm a speaking spirit. I'm a speaking spirit. Say, oh man, say this after me. Say, God saw the world. And he didn't like what he saw. He used his word to recreate it. If you see in your own world what you don't like, what is not in alignment with God's will, you are going to have to use the same tool that God used to recreate your own world. Your words based on his word. That's how it works. Let me give you the last one. The last one. Mark 11. You can read the rest. Joshua 1, 8 and all that. But let's read Mark 11 verse 22. Mark 11, 22. Mark 11, 22 and 23. Jesus, after speaking to the fig tree and it dried up and all that. And everybody was, wow, the fig tree. You know, you know, has dried up from his roots and all that. Jesus told them. He answered them and he said, have faith. Well, you know, the trans- most translation says have faith in God. But it is actually not the correct translation. The noun used there 
is what is called the possessive noun, the genitive case in the Greek. The correct translation is have faith of God. And so you go and read, you go and study some other translation. Read the Young's literal translation. So you see the so what they're trying to they're not trying to deceive us, but you know, they're just like half faith of God. How does this? And we discuss it in when we're doing Greek at Bible school. We discuss all this genitive stuff that they try to make it sound reasonable, but really in the Greek it is the possessive, like it's saying have ebony's faith. You get what I'm saying? That's what, what is called the possessive case in the in the in English too. It's called the genitive case. It's something that somebody possesses, my chair. And all that. That's what was used in that place. It was faith of God. Have faith of God. What does that mean? What does have faith of God mean? Simply, Jesus was saying, after he demonstrated that, he's saying, have the kind of faith that God had when he created the world. Have the kind of faith that God has. How does the kind of faith that God has work? It's the kind of faith that when he looks at something, right? and speaks to it and believes in what it says, it comes to pass. And that's what he used 23 to explain. He used 23 to explain what he meant by having the faith of God. What does he mean to have the faith of God? Hey, but let's read verse 22 together. For whosoever, whosoever may say to this what? Mountain. Be taken up and thrown into the sea and may not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things which he says do come to pass or they happen. Or they are, he believed that what he says happens or occurs, it shall be to him whatever he may say. That's how the faith of God works. Amen. And he's telling us to have that kind of faith. Amen. Everybody say, I choose to have the faith of God. I choose to have the faith of God. How does the faith of God work? It speaks. It speaks. It speaks. It's faith like a monster seed. How does faith to others? What does faith like a monster seed look like? It is not that it is small, it's that when it is planted, it grows. Amen. And then it begins to change things. That's how your faith is. That's the kind of faith he wants us to have. Everybody say, I need to speak some more. I need to speak some more. I need to speak God's word. I need to speak God's word. In a systematic, deliberate, and orderly way. Say every day. Every day. I need to look at the mountains in my life. And tell the mountains what God has said. Every day. I need to look at my life and speak the word of God into it. I choose the spirit of faith. I believe. And therefore I speak. That is the spirit of faith. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I feel. What matters is what God has said. And if I hold on to what God has said, remember homologio, if I hold on to what God has said, it will eventually become my reality. That's how faith works. So what is the A of faith? Accept. Everybody, what is the A of faith? Accept what? The word of God. What is the B of faith? Believe. And what is the C of faith? Confess. Confess. So next week we'll do D, E, and F. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you have been blessed by that? Yeah. Are you blessed? Is your faith yes. empowered? Yes. Is your faith empowered? Yes, All right, rise up. Let's rise up on our feet and let's demonstrate some faith in this place today. Amen, amen and amen. What a faithful God. Hallelujah.